Hello, everyone. My friends, on this evening, I begin by greeting first those parishioners of mine that are with me every week, worshiping and giving God glory. I love you, and I wish you a blessed, blessed Christmas. And to those who have come from far visiting, I hope your journey has been safe, and I love you also. And I'm glad you are with us, and I wish you a blessed, blessed Christmas this evening. My friends, uh, I wish those among us who I don't see that often, I love you, and I wish you a blessed Christmas. And to those who are maybe here this evening but have distanced themselves from the church for whatever the reason, I love you. Even more importantly, Jesus loves you. And I wish you a blessed, blessed Christmas. My friends, we are all God's family. His love is for each of us without condition. And all of us belong here. All of us, each one of us belong here. Good evening, everyone. I, too, would like to say to all of you and your family a very Merry Christmas. You are welcome, if you are a stranger, to St. Nicholas Catholic Church as we celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, bringing with him hope, love, mercy, and compassion for the human race, and that is you and me as well. So let's begin in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. But before I go there, 3 o'clock Mass, we have only standing room, Okay, And 6 o'clock Mass, we have people sitting outside in the cold. Today, now it's 10 o'clock. Nobody's sitting out there, and nobody's standing up. Therefore, my homily could be longer. Because everybody is sitting down, right? <laughs> Today, I would like to give you a quick synopsis of the last four weeks of Advent, so that we are all on the same page as we prepare our hearts and souls for this beautiful celebration. As many of you know, every year we start Advent, the new liturgical year for us, immediately after the Feast of Christ the King, meaning that for every beginning or for every ending, there is a beginning. So we are to fix our eyes in Jesus Christ, our hope. For he is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus came to us 2,000 years, more than 2,000 years ago. And today we celebrate his birth and are awaiting his second coming, which is only known to the Father. This is why Jesus, on the first Sunday of Advent, told his followers, be alert, stay awake, and be repentant, because you do not know the time nor the hour when the Son of Man will come. The coming of Jesus was revealed to us from the beginning of time, and more so about 1,000 years before Christ, when King David wrote the Psalms for us. And more recently, about 700 years before Christ, when the prophet Isaiah called God to open the gate of heaven 
to come down or send us the promise to save the human race from self-destruction because of pride, violence, corruption, and the rejection of the divine. With Isaiah calling God to send the promise to our sinful world, the first candle of Advent was designated as a candle of the promise. On the second Sunday of Advent, we heard the great prophet, John the Baptist, saying to his followers, the one who is coming after me will remove the veil of darkness from your eyes and give you the light of eternal life. Therefore, the second candle of Advent is called the candle of light. On the third Sunday of Advent, also called Gadati Sunday or Rejoicing Sunday, we were full of joy as we, coming, as we came closer to the coming of Christ, bringing with him good tidings to all people. Therefore, the third Sunday of Advent is called the Sunday, the Joy Sunday, or the uh, Joy Candle. And on the fourth Sunday of Advent, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a 14-year-old virgin who was full of grace, full of grace, and told her, Behold, you will receive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be the Son of the Most High. And to his kingdom there will be no end. With that being said, the promise Jesus has already arrived, has already come. And his arrival gives us hope for eternal life. And this is why the fourth Sunday of Advent is called the candle of hope. And how about today? The reading from St. Luke paints for us a beautiful picture of the birth of the Christ child, the God incarnate. Christ was born in one of the most humble ways possible, in a little town called Bethlehem, wrapped in swaddling clothes. Because, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Imagine that, imagine that the king of this universe was born in a manger rather than a castle. This is a humility at its best. You cannot be more humble than that. In the nativity scene, Jesus is telling us, is telling you, and me, that he is willing to do anything to be with us and like us and to bring salvation to our human race. How can we not love this child? It's almost impossible not to love him, right? And this is the good news, brother and sister. This is a good news for us that Jesus was born not only 2,000 years ago, but on every Christmas, he is born again and again in our hearts and in our homes. And we must realize also that Jesus was first born in the heart of those shepherds 
living in the field before anybody else and keeping the night watch over their flock. When the angel appeared to them and said, Do not be afraid, for today in the city of David a Savior has been born for you, who is Christ and Lord, the light of the world. And is this not what the prophet Isaiah said to us in the first reading of today? Those who walk in the darkness, a great lion has shone on them. Upon those who dwelt in the land of despair, a light has emerged. For a child is born to us, they name him God's hero, counselor, a prince of peace. With the coming of Christ, St. Paul tells us in the second reading of today that we must, we have no option, we must reject our godless old ways, live righteously in this age, and model ourselves to Christ until he appears again in glory. Now, it's not an easy task. Don't take me wrong. We have to work at it, day in and day out. And if we fail, we have the priest to go to for confession. He is ready to do it for us day in and day out. And now, there is a $1 million question for you. And you could, if you could answer it, you will get $1 million. Right? I didn't have it. Maybe Father Mark has it. <laughs> Why was Jesus born in a manger rather than coming to earth with fanfare and in festive surroundings? Why did he do that? The king of creation, the promise of every human soul and God's only begotten son was born among animals. With the first visitors being lowly shepherds living in the field. They were not kings. They were lowly shepherds. This is ironic to our culture. It's hard for us to understand. How could this happen? Right? Well, I have two reasons for you. We have a lot of them, but only two. I have enough time for two. Unless you want to be here all night. I don't think so, right? You don't. Okay, that's good. So the first reason... Jesus' was, Jesus' birth was in a manger, is. In theological language, one may say that Jesus was born in a manger because of Jesus' humility and his divine love for you and me, giving us an example of the relationship that exists between the human and the divine natures. And you could be right. I will give you half a million there for that. Okay? But I think there's much more than that. Much more. Let's go through it. The second uh, point is, regardless of the location of Jesus' birth, his first bed was a manger. We know that. From the gospel, from all the resources we have, his first bed was a manger. Right? The word manger comes from the Latin word mandum care, mando care, which means to eat or to chew. A manger is a feeding trough, like Father, Tom, Father Mark told us about this yesterday in his homily. A crib made of wood or stone that holds hay 
for farm animals. Farmers, including me when I was younger, made sure that each manger was well filled, well supplied with food, so that the animal will never get hungry. And if the animal got hungry, my mom used to tell me, you did not do your job well. So I made sure I do it well. So when Mary and Joseph could not find a room in the inn, they were forced to find lodging elsewhere. Knowing the area well, Joseph was able to find a cave where animals are protected from wolves and bad weather conditions. So when Jesus was born, Mary, of course, found the manger full of soft hay to put her firstborn son in it. A perfect place, a perfect place for them. It was a lot better than put the baby on the cold, dirty floor. And only after Jesus was laid in the manger, the angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds in the field and told them that they would find their new Messiah, newborn Messiah and Lord, lying in the manger, as Luke tells us. And they went in haste and found the child in the feeding trough. They went in haste. They don't walk slowly. They really ran. They were so excited. They had been waiting for this Messiah all their lives, and they are the first one who was going to see him. Right? Just like you guys came from a parking lot. You were running. You want to be in a church. You want to see the Christ over there. Right? This is what we are here supposed to be when we come down here. Supposed to be excited to see our Lord, to receive him. So they went in haste and found the child in the feeding trough as it was told to them. They glorified God with their voices and their hearts for what they have seen and heard. So Jesus was not laid in the manger by accident. There was a reason for it. It is a spiritual symbol. Animals go to the manger for physical nourishment. But with Jesus lying in the manger on soft hay, so we go to his manger for our spiritual infinite nourishment. We can approach him at any time and ask him for forgiveness and will never get hungry. How so, one might ask. How can we never get hungry? It's very simple. Jesus told us what to do. Right? We have his seven sacraments, number one. His gospel. His teachings. With the deposit of faith, we have a lot of this. And most of all, the Eucharist that you are going to receive very shortly. Jesus wants us to devour his word, chew on it, swallow it, and digest it. Make it a part of the fabric of our lives. It's funny I said that because Jeremiah, Jeremiah in chapter 15, he said, Your word I found, O Lord, and I ate it. And I ate them. That's what he said. You go look it up. And your word swear to me, the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Jesus' words are sweet food indeed. 
It has a power to save our souls, as James told us. And not only that, the infant in the feeding trough is the bread of life. Is the bread of life. The true bread that comes down from heaven. And whoever eats this bread will never die. Will live forever. John chapter 6. If you have not read chapter 6, you, you need to read John 6 at least four, five, six times a year. At least. Because we have to really understand it very well. The manger is a great sign that Jesus is our spiritual food that sustains us on our journey. The shepherds in the field faced it first on the bread of life with their eyes. Now it's our turn. Now it's our turn to be fed with the same bread of life for our souls. Be fed with reverence and devotion. You are coming down the aisle to receive God. To receive God. We have to do this with reverence and devotion. It's an awe to think about it. Finally, I would like to leave you with a powerful quote regarding the child Jesus from Deacon and Saint Ephraim of Syria. He wrote, While the infant Jesus was lying in his mother's bosom, in his own bosom, all his creatures were lying. He was silent as a babe, and yet he was making his creatures execute all his commands. And so we need to learn more about this child Jesus. We have to know who he is. We have to know what he did for us as an adult, right? And so with that being said, Father Mark decided to have a program here in our parish. It's called Rescue. And it's very fantastic. It helps us, it helps us to understand who Jesus is. What he did for us. is divided into four sections. The first one is talk about our fallen nature as a human being. We fall all the time. And how we were captured by the satanic forces, by the evil ones. And then came the power of God and rescued us from this misery to give us new life. And then the fourth part of that rescue program is how do we respond to his unconditional love? How can we do that? And this is what the program is all about. So we love to have you sign up, Catholic or non-Catholic. It's for everyone. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost.